You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hey everyone, welcome to church. It is so good to have you with us at Elam Christian Center online. I cannot wait to share a word with you today. It's been a little while since I've preached because of all the lockdowns, but I am pumped to bring the word that God has given me for you into your home, wherever you are watching from. Welcome, it's so good to have you with us. I'll be honoured. I am honoured to share this teaching platform with our senior pastors, my good friend Stephen Bix. They shared two phenomenal messages over the last two weeks. So I can't wait to carry on our series today. You know, Darcy and I, we've been married for about six years. And I remember standing at the altar, I got married here at our Botany campus thinking, man, I'm a lucky man. This is my person. This is the one I know. This is the one I love. And I'm overwhelmed by her heart for me. I remember in that ceremony, both of us agreeing to that little section in the vows that says, till death do us part. Now we decided that we would go to Bali for our honeymoon and we booked this cute little bungalow to stay in for the first four days and we were really excited. Now our taxi driver, his name was Blue. Blue picks us up from the airport and he's meant to take us to this house that we're staying in, but things take an interesting turn. Rather than pulling up to a house like we expected, we find ourselves in some random parking lot and Blue asks us to get our bags out of the car and follow them up this big concrete staircase. We're like, sure, at this stage, we don't have a choice. So we follow Blue up the staircase. We are walking around this windy dark path. It goes behind a bunch of houses. It is pitch black. We can hear the insects. To be honest, we've got no idea where we're going. Uh, Blue's at the front. Darcy's in the middle and I'm at the back keeping everybody safe. We're walking along and then all of a sudden Blue just freezes and he's like, whoa! And I'm at the back and I'm like, what? And he says, very poisonous snake, you jump now. And he jumps over this thing. Darcy immediately follows him. And I'm left there standing going, wait, what? I can't even see this thing. I didn't even have a second to think about it before it occurred to me that my new wife Darcy left me for another man on our honeymoon. Now church, I can't even see the snake. Blue just said that there was one and I have no reason not to believe him. And so I'm trying to figure out how I try to jump over something that I don't know the location of. I'm like, man, if I jump too late, I'm gonna run into the snake, bam, dead. If I jump too early, I might land on the snake, bam, dead. And so I'm trying to figure out how I do this. And I decide the best way is to jump and touch the ground for the smallest amount of time possible, right? So I'm like a prancing ballerina. I'm like jumping around, trying to get around this poisonous snake just to get to the other side. So I try to jump and I try to get through. And I don't know if you're laughing at that picture that I've just painted in your mind, but if you are, you're a bad person because it was the scariest moment of my life. Like I was literally freaking out. And I thought back to that day when I got married and I stood before Darcy and we said, till death do I part. Man, I didn't think it was gonna come into play three days later. How could she ditch me? I mean, is there a more severe way to let down your brand new husband than to choose separation by way of invisible poisonous snake. <laughs> I thought she would be by my side. I thought she might've offered to protect me. Like she could have been on that side of the snake with him or this side of the snake with me. And she cast her vote with her jump. In that moment of panic, I thought, this is not the woman I knew. This is not the woman that I married. I felt so let down in that moment. Christian for you churches, have you ever felt let down by God? Have you ever been disappointed that He didn't do something at the time that you were expecting Him to do it? Maybe you've prayed for something and you didn't get that answer like you hoped. 
Maybe you've read Deuteronomy 31 that says God would never leave us nor forsake us. And yet you have found yourself feeling abandoned like I did on my honeymoon. For most of us at some point in our life, we're gonna find ourselves sitting there feeling disappointed, abandoned, let down, forsaken, ignored, overlooked or forgotten. And it's not a surprise if you've found yourself in that place. In fact, Jesus gave us a heads up. He says, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. So it's not a surprise that you're in that place, but it's how you respond while you're in that place of disappointment that makes all the difference. You know, one thing that is often said in church services and sermons, I've said it before, maybe in Christian books is this, it's that people will never let you down. Sorry, people may let you down, but God will never let you down. And while it's true that God will never let you down, we can still find ourselves feeling let down by God. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible delivers this amazingly unique picture of hope for us. And at the same time, it's completely riddled with disappointment. I think of Genesis chapter three. Abel offers his offering to God, it's accepted, but his brother Cain gives his offering to God and it's declined. So Cain is so upset, he's so angry because his brother's offering was accepted and his wasn't. A little bit later, I think of Genesis chapter 18, you have Sarah who's been living a lifetime of disappointment because she hasn't got the child that she thought God had promised her. And when it comes to the time when God eventually says to Sarah, hey, Sarah, this time next year, you're gonna have a child. You know what she does? She just laughs. She just laughs thinking it's completely ridiculous. I mean, even Jesus, as He hung on the cross, He mutters out, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? Like, where are you at a time like this? You know, it's not uncommon to find ourselves feeling a little disappointed in God from time to time. In John chapter 11, we get this amazing picture. Say amazing because it's, uh, it's detailed, but it's a big picture of a massive disappointment. Mary and Martha, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we need to let you know that your friend, Martha's brother Lazarus, is sick back in a town called Bethany. They want Jesus to come and heal him. And given that this guy is Jesus' good friend, they're kind of expecting Jesus to come straight away. That is the Jesus that they thought they knew. But in John 11, chapter four, Jesus responds and He says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. In other words, He's saying, hey, I know you're stressed out, but you don't need to be. There's a bigger picture at play here and I know you don't understand it all yet, but it's gonna be used for the glory of God. Now, Jesus didn't go when they wanted Him to because God's timing is often different from ours. And when Jesus eventually arrives, He finds out that Lazarus has been dead for four days. Martha is distraught. She's like, Jesus, if You had just come when I asked You to come, my brother wouldn't be dead. I mean, talk about feeling let down. It's kind of like when you and I say, God, I expected You to do something, but You didn't do it when I needed You to. Love Pastor Big's message last week on the vending machine God. It's that sort of approach. And so Jesus says to Martha, He says, Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha responds, but she shows us her misunderstanding. She says, yes, yes, I know my brother will rise again in the last days like everybody else. And Jesus shows us a little bit more of his heart. He says, no, no, Martha, listen to me. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will have everlasting life even after they die. 
Now Jesus, He ends up resurrecting Lazarus and performing an incredible miracle. But four days is a really long time to wait for a miracle like that, but it was the necessary time required for breakthrough to come, but also for glory to be given to God. There was the God that they thought they knew, but their misunderstanding of who He was and what He was doing led to their disappointment. But God is faithful. He is good, He is generous, He is never changing. Everything that God does is good. And so when expectations aren't met, it may mean that we have misplaced expectations. Perhaps we have been relying on something that we were never promised. To arrive at a place of disappointment in God is to find yourself in misunderstanding. And this is why I can say that God will never let us down and yet we can feel let down by God. It's okay to feel disappointed. I need you to know that today. It's okay to feel let down. God isn't put off by that. He isn't offended by that. He doesn't turn His face away from you when you feel that way. But I also need you to know that it's important to understand that the way that you would not feel disappointed in the future depends on your response. And I'm not saying, oh, just, just don't be disappointed. No, I'm saying growth and transformation are available dependent on how you respond. See, when we create God in our image, rather than understanding that we were created in His, we will always live under the desires of our flesh rather than the promises of His heart. When we begin to fabricate what we wish God was like, it'll blind us from the realities of who He actually is. And even though you and I might have amazing ideas on what we might do or how we might respond if we were God, I can assure you that who God actually is, is always gonna be better than the one that we've created. This Christian life is not one absent of disappointments, but it is present with opportunities to lean into God, to learn more about Him, to know Him better and to align our life with His heart and His Word. James chapter 1, verse 16 says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. If God is unchanging, faithful to His promises, trustworthy in every season, only ever good. If God is always like that, and yet we find ourselves feeling let down, then perhaps it isn't God letting us down, but our misunderstanding of who He is. It's important that the God that we thought we knew is the God that actually exists. When our limited understanding leads us to a place of disappointment, it's our response in that moment that really matters. And you're not odd, you're not strange, you're not a bad Christian, you're not weird for finding yourself in a place feeling disappointed in God. It's totally normal, but when you do, how you respond matters. And I've got a couple of thoughts I wanna share with you today on some responses I wanna suggest for you to consider that might change the very outcome of that time when you are disappointed. So the first one is this, when you find yourself disappointed with God, firstly, seek understanding. Seek understanding. Right at the very beginning of the book of James in chapter one from verse two, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let's be real. When you feel let down by God, it is an absolute testing of your faith. But James continues. He said, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. 
who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. If you lack wisdom and understanding, you should ask God for more of it. Now, learning to train our response in the midst of that disappointment will completely change the depth of our relationship with God. See, rather than getting angry at God, thinking, man, He just, He didn't come through when I thought He would. Maybe you've been a victim of that vending machine theology and you get a bit frustrated. Could I encourage you just to take a moment when you find yourself there, just to pause, just to breathe and ask yourself what you're missing. In fact, better yet, ask God what you're missing. Say, God, I'm confused, I'm disappointed. What am I missing here? What have I assumed to be true that isn't? Where have I misunderstood your word? Where have I run ahead of your leading? You know, one of Jesus' most common ways to teach, in fact, the only way that He taught publicly was to teach telling stories that the Bible calls parables. And He would paint this beautiful picture in the mind's eye for the listener, but these parables would have different depths and layers to the understanding and the revelation. And that's why Jesus would often say, let those with eyes see and those with ears hear what it is that the Lord is saying. He explains it this way in Matthew 13 from verse 13. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Like they hear it, they see it, they're not getting it. He says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Get this, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn and I would heal them. It's clear that as disciples of Jesus, we're to never give up going deeper in God, asking questions, seeking out wisdom and understanding. But one of the greatest hindrances to you having deeper relationship in your deeper revelation in your relationship with God is the belief that you've already figured God out. You know, I think over my years of being a Christian and there's a handful of times where I've truly had to question my understanding of God, the God that I thought I knew. After my dad had a heart attack, I declared every promise. I prayed in great faith. I genuinely believed with all of my heart and all of my faith that my dad was gonna get through that and be healed. And yet he wasn't. Darcy and I, for about two years, we had a really tough journey of trying to start a family. There was nothing that we prayed for more. And the whole way through that period of time, we were convinced that the timing was perfect and yet it didn't happen. The thing about that is that God could have made it happen. There is nothing impossible for God and yet He allowed us to not get what we prayed for at the moment we prayed for it. Can I be honest? There were times in that season where I was just really disappointed. Bick shared this last week, but I got a similar story. I have prayed for so many people to be healed and the healing hasn't come. And yet at the same time, I've prayed for so many people to be healed and they've been miraculously healed right in front of my eyes. And so I find myself saying, God, why some and not others? And I've learned that the best response is to realise that the misalignment requires a shift on my behalf, not God's. You know, I remember this particular day like it was yesterday. I was sitting at the front of the class at Elam Leadership College. You should do an internship, by the way. Applications are open now. Go do it after the service. It'll change your life. Uh, it was MTC back then. 
So I was at Bible college and I was sitting up the front of the class and I remember getting a text message from one of my best friends at the time. We were really close throughout high school and as high school finished, we sort of drifted away as you tend to do after high school. We're still in contact, but this friend is not a Christian at all. Now I was really, really close to his family. His family were my family. We had been friends since we were eight years old. And here I was at 23 in class getting this text message. And he said to me this, he said, Adam, my brother has taken his life. And later on, we were chatting a little bit more about it. And he asked me this really valid question. He said, Adam, if God could have stopped my brother doing that, why wouldn't he? And I knew that in that moment, what my friend didn't need was a theological doctrine lesson on free will, but rather he needed compassion. He needed empathy. He needed a listening ear. But the answer to that question, I don't know. But what I do know is this. When we ask why God doesn't step in to stop people doing bad things, I don't think we realise exactly what we're asking. We would be asking God to step in and stop every impure thought, motive, attitude and condition of the heart. We would be asking God to step in and eliminate every single one of us who has internally struggled with sin, which Romans 3.23 says is every single one of us. My friend was angry and I understand why. But my response in that moment was, God, I don't understand this, but I know that you're good. I know that you're trustworthy and I know that you care for your people. So what am I missing here? What is it that you can show me? Where am I misunderstanding? And it would be hard for me to articulate what I felt God say in that moment, but I can tell you this, it drew me nearer to Him rather than push me away. I know that God's heart was aching in that moment, just like my friend's family was. Proverbs 25 verse two says, it is God's privilege to conceal things and a king's privilege to discover them. This one thing I know for sure, that the God that I think I know can never ever be as good as the God that He actually is. And the journey of life is to discover that. When you find yourself feeling disappointed, you've got to first stop, pause and say, God, what am I missing? Seek understanding. And the second response, which I think is absolutely vital and it will change everything for you. Ask that question, but also number two, hold on to hope. You know, one of the very worst byproducts of disappointment is distraction. Because when you feel disappointed, your head drops, your faith reduces, your aspiration decreases and you start to lose hope. And the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's at this point that you take your eyes off God, you walk away from the promises that He's given to you and the call that He has on your life and you begin to trade the eternal things for temporary things. And I don't know what God you thought that you knew, but I'm here to remind you that the God of the Bible is a God who is on your side. He is for you and not against you. And I don't know if you're disappointed is feeling like a setback, but I'm here to clear that it's, a, it's actually gonna be a set up for your season ahead. This is true. You will find yourself disappointed, let down maybe by others, sometimes by yourself and sometimes even God. But when you do, because it's okay that you do, you need to understand that the way that you respond really matters. You know, I've been playing rugby for some time and there's a handful of different phrases that always get yelled out on the field in pretty much every game. And one of those is lift your head or heads up. When the opposition has scored a try against you, it is absolutely gutting. 
It just feels exhausting. You're frustrated. You can feel, feel it down by teammates. You can even feel it down by yourself. But as you stand there under the post, gasping for breath, me a little more so than my teammates, you're gasping for breath. It isn't long before you start to hear the first voice say it. Then another, then another. And the movement begins. Lift your head, boys, lift your head. Heads up. Heads up, boys, heads up. Why? Because the way that you respond when you've been hit means absolutely everything. We're saying lift your head and stay focused on the goal. Don't set up camp in disappointment because if we set up camp here, you better believe in five minutes time, we're gonna be back standing under these same goalposts. We're saying lift your head and keep going. Our victory literally depends on it. You know, the way that you get back up after you've been knocked down is the mark of a champion. It's the mark of an overcomer. In fact, Romans 8.37 says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? Through Christ who loved us. And so despite the moments when you feel low, despite the moments when you feel disappointed, I can assure you of this, the sun will set, it will rise again. And we have a fresh opportunity to believe that that day is gonna be better than the one that came before it. Don't let today's disappointments cast a shadow on tomorrow's dreams. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't let today's disappointments cast a shadow on tomorrow's dreams. You know, I always wonder what might have been on the other side of the moments that I've given up, where I assumed that my valley moment was representative of all that God was gonna do, where I stopped believing that God was orchestrating all things for an ultimately good outcome in my life. That first response that is so vital is that we seek understanding, that we say, God, where has my misunderstanding led to me having an incorrect view of you? But can I tell you, it's in that place. It's in the humbling, it's in the leaning in, it's in the worship, it's in the seeking His face that we are reminded that He is a God that does exceedingly abundantly more than we might ask, think or imagine. The distraction that you face from your disappointment has already robbed you of today. Do not let it rob you of the hope that God is giving to your tomorrow. Jeremiah 17 verse seven says, but blessed are those who, are, who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. You know, this whole COVID-19 debacle has brought disappointment to pretty much every single person on this planet, you know? Maybe not pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> They're having a pretty good day at the office. But for everyone else, it has left us feeling pretty disappointed and discouraged. And while we've never been through a pandemic as severe as this one in recorded history, we definitely have been through more catastrophic events. And you know what has remained consistent through every single one of those is that Jesus has remained on His throne, that God has never stopped setting free, saving, healing and restoring hundreds of people every day. He doesn't waver to the left or the right, but He is sure, He is steady, He never changes and He is very much in control. All of that on top of the fact of who He is and the victory on the cross means that as Christians, we carry an unwavering hope for our future. You remember that story? The one of Jesus' friend Lazarus dying and Mary and Martha thinking that He might come straight away. Mary and Martha, they thought they had a full 
understanding or perhaps a very good understanding of who Jesus was and yet their misunderstanding of who He was and what He was doing led to their disappointment. Martha's like, Jesus, if You would only come when I asked You to, my brother wouldn't have died. Martha misunderstood. And so her hope reduced. It's probably fair to say that Martha was angry at God. The thing about this situation is that back then in the time that we're reading about in Jewish culture, it was believed that someone had to be dead three days before they were actually dead. So if someone came back to life before the three day mark, it would kind of just be like, oh, maybe they weren't fully dead. Maybe they were just like really sick and they seemed dead. Like the, the time frame has been so short. We're just not so sure if they're really dead. And so Jesus knew He needed to delay so that when He came and when He raised Lazarus, not only would breakthrough come to the one who needed it, but glory would be given to God for the resurrection, which makes sense as to why Jesus said Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Oh, it went to death. It just did not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. Imagine Mary and Martha, they come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, he's sick in Bethany. Like you should come right now. Best friends would, do it now. And imagine in that moment, Jesus responded like this. Imagine He said, hey, Mary and Martha, um, I know you want me to come now, but the timing isn't right. Now I have every intention of performing the miracle, but I'm just gonna hold back for a few days. And then when I come to Bethany, I'm gonna resurrect. Oh, oh, you think he's sick. He's actually dead. You, sorry, Mary and Martha, you don't know that yet. You think he's sick. He's actually dead. But I'm gonna come and I'm gonna resurrect him. And then people are gonna know it's a real miracle and they're gonna give glory to God. I could imagine if Jesus said that, Mary and Martha would have been like, oh, that's an amazing plan. Yeah, good plan, Jesus. Don't come now. Don't ignore us. We, we never knew what we were talking about. Now that I get a glimpse of what you're doing, I have hope. I have hope. It's like once they they were able to lean in and get a, a little bit more of a glimpse of the heart of God, of the fullness of what He was doing, their hope wouldn't have diminished. You know, we so desperately want God to work to our watch and our timing to our plans. But what if, just maybe, God hasn't come through yet because the miracle that you're waiting on carries more purpose than just your healing and breakthrough. We won't ever understand the fullness of what God is doing and what He isn't doing. I'm not suggesting that we ever would, but He is so faithful to His promises. He is a good God who does good things and we can place our confidence and our hope in Him. You know, what if the God that we've created in our image is far more limited than the one who created us in His? I think of the disciples that were present as Jesus hung on the very cross that He had to carry up the hill by Himself. You know, they had been with Jesus and yet they lacked a full understanding of who He was and what He was doing. And that led to their disappointment. Their hope diminished. Their friend, their rabbi, their Saviour, their God hung on a cross, ready to be crucified. And in their eyes, in the eyes of many around, this looked like the end of the story. But after being laid in another man's tomb for three days, just long enough, that it would be believed that He was actually dead. He rose again. 
and He defeated the power and the penalty of sin in our life. He made a way for you and I in our brokenness to truly know God, not out of our own strength, not out of our own effort, but an undeserved free gift of God's grace. This is a sacrifice that was made for every single person on the planet. This friends is the greatest message of hope you could ever hear in your entire life. And yet there at that scene, the disciples and others lost hope because they lost sight of the fullness of what God was doing. But He was taking upon Himself the sin of the world so that He could die in our place, offer us forgiveness for our sin right now, a brand new start right now, and the promise of an eternity in heaven with Him. Jesus provides hope for our future. And that's why I love Jeremiah 29, 11. That says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jesus provides hope for our future, but the way that we respond to that matters. And I'm about to finish, but I wanna pray for you. I'm so glad that you're listening. I truly believe that you're here on purpose. You haven't stumbled upon it by accident, but you heard that message. And if you're here today and you would say, man, that's like the first time I've heard that message of hope, that even in my brokenness, the message of hope is for me. That's right, you heard that correctly. You might think, well, what have I done to deserve that? Nothing. Like I have done nothing to deserve it either. And that's why God is so good. You may find yourself disappointed in life. You may find yourself disappointed in God. Seek understanding and hold on to hope. But I wanna pray for you today. If you would say sitting in your lounge room, in your bedroom, wherever you find yourself, did you know that God is already with you in the room and He's speaking to your heart? I'm gonna pray for anyone that hasn't started a relationship with Jesus. And it's a simple prayer that will change everything for you. Now it may feel like something changes. It may feel like nothing changes. That's beside the point. The Bible says that when you come to Him, when you ask for forgiveness, when you repent of your sin, which means you turn away from your life towards a brand new way of life, that He would forgive you. He would wipe your slate clean. The chains would be broken and you would be set on a brand new path of purpose with that promise of eternity in heaven. If you want that, you can have it. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. If you wanna know Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I acknowledge that I've sinned chosen my own way above your way, God. Sometimes I've intentionally turned, other times it may have been unintentionally, but I realise I don't wanna keep trying to do this life alone, living a life of disappointment. God, I ask You that You forgive me of my sin and I thank You that You have enough grace for me today. I choose to turn from my old life and turn to a life with You. I pray God that You would make me brand new today. Forgive me of my past, make me brand new and give me that promise of eternity in heaven with You. I give You my whole life today, holding nothing back. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm telling you, heaven is rejoicing. It is the greatest prayer that you could ever pray in your whole life. And I want you to take one more brave step. If you prayed that prayer in just a moment, there's gonna be a button or a link pop up in the chat. It's gonna say, I've raised my hand or I've said, yes, count me in. I need you to click that. And I need you to click it, not for me, but for you, because we wanna get you a Bible. We wanna help you in this journey. This journey was not designed to be done alone. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.